Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with us here on the Education on Fire podcast today. Now, many people I've interviewed over the last weeks and months have been teachers, people in education who've decided to take their expertise and their resources and share it with the world, either through an online course or their website. Now, this is something which I know more and more people are wanting to do with a change of lifestyle or or way of being able to just share the fantastic things that they've created for their pupils. And I'm chatting today to Billy Bross, and he's someone who's actually managed to carve out a career for himself, sharing some of this expertise with many, many people in different niches. And I think it'd be really interesting just to take you sort of behind the scenes and the sorts of skills and the sorts of setup, which isn't always necessarily as difficult as you would expect to actually be able to set yourself up in an online format. Now, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education, who I know have had a very busy week this week. They've been on BBC Breakfast being interviewed and in the media talking about how schools are going to be opening up to more pupils after the half-term holidays and and expressing the concerns and also highlighting some of the challenges which are are going to be the case in in those scenarios. And just actually having a unified national voice, I think, has been such such a gift to so many people. And so if you'd like to find out more about how they can support you, please go and visit at the website it's nape.org.uk that's n-a-p-e.org.uk now thanks so much for listening and i hope you enjoy my conversation with billy bross about how to take some of your resources and make them into an online course hi billy thanks so much for joining me today i'm really excited about this journey that you've been on uh, in terms of your sort of professional starting point all the way through into your own courses and all the the work that you've been doing so why don't we start with a, just a little introduction about what that journey looks like in terms of, of where your professional life started and how it's gone all the way through into being part of this online education world. Sure, yeah, and uh, thanks so much for having me, Mark. Yeah, it's, it was, uh, it's been kind of a crazy ride, but that's how these things go, right? You can never really predict where your life is going to take you. So I started out uh, in the renewable energy industry, and I, I had a, a great career I had great coworkers. I enjoyed what I was doing. I was working on really important and interesting projects. Um, but I had this ceiling over my head, and I've always had this entrepreneurial itch. So after a number of years there, about uh, six or seven years, I, I knew it was time to leave and do my own thing. And uh, I did something completely different than what I was doing. I actually started a beer brewing blog. And so that is what led me to where I am now. So I turned that into a a pretty popular website where I would teach online courses to home beer brewers and craft beer enthusiasts. And uh, now I work with other online course creators, other experts who have a lot of knowledge in their field of expertise, but need the help on, on the business building side of things and on the marketing side of things especially. So that's what I do now. I've worked in over 50 different niches, everything from... 3D printing to productivity to raising goats in your backyard. It's really a, a limitless world. <laughs> and um, and just tell me a little bit about the uh, the beer brewing thing I love because I, I live in a, a small village here in the UK, but I'm um, just uh, about five miles or so away in a small town where a couple of our children go to school. They're, they're, they're sort of a, a very sort of niche, small brewing mill there. And I love the beer there, but also love the whole process and the whole atmosphere. So why was it that specifically that took you in that direction? 
Yeah, yeah, good question. So my my roommate got me into it in college, and it's it's a kind of hobby where it's really a pay it forward type of thing. You know someone who's a brewer, you go over there to help them brew, which really means you help them clean, <laughs> but that's kind of the right the right of passage, and then you get hooked on it. So uh, so his brother in law was into it, and they brewed over the holidays. He came back to school, and he said, "Hey, we got to get into this." And I said, well, I, I like beer and I like craft beer and I'm very, I've always been very DIY. So I completely geeked out on it. <laughs> he got into it, but I really ran with it. And one of the reasons why I like it so much, outside of the fact that it's, it's a fun thing to do, and we have this saying that beer people are good people. And, and, uh, and I believe that to be true. If you go to a craft brewery, I'm sure it's the same way over there. You go to a pub, they generally tend to be really good people, people you like to be around. So there was the community part of it, but what really drew me to it was all the hobbies within the hobby. I've always been a lifelong learner. I've always been really curious. Uh, I was reading Popular Science Magazine when I was a really young kid. My dad used to subscribe to it. And so through brewing, I didn't just learn how to brew beer. I learned chemistry. I learned physics. I learned metallurgy. I learned uh, yeast biology. I built a whole uh, automated brewery with a control panel and gas valves and, and that whole thing. So it allowed me to explore a bunch of different interests within a, a single discipline. And I think for me, the whole the whole idea of actually being able to build a course often comes from the fact that it comes from your passion. It comes from your interest in what you're doing, whatever your your subject is or your like say your niche happens to be. It's the it's that enthusiasm. And I think, like I said, I think the craft beer um, world is a little bit like that, isn't it? People are so into what they're doing they want to share it they want to talk about it they want to sort of just divulge everything they've got to do and, and it, it's that kind of passion i think that is a really interesting thing when people either have a hobby or they have a certain learning element they want to get across um how does that work in terms of then taking that online how does that sort of enthusiasm for everything come across in that sort of digital world yeah so the first thing i did was and, and this is a, a recommendation for anyone who wants to teach a passion of theirs online like I did and turn into a business, I really got in the trenches with my audience. And, and by that, I really mean, mean my peers, the, my fellow homebrewers and beer enthusiasts. And back then, it was actually on Twitter. Uh, so this was 2008, and Twitter was still fairly new. And for whatever reason, a lot of homebrewers were on Twitter. And I, and I recognized the conversation happening on there. So I entered the conversation. I would, uh, this was before I even started my website. And I would just, I would write beer reviews on Twitter. I would take pictures of my beer. I would respond to comments. I would retweet comments and start having these discussions. And then when I launched the site, I had this audience built up already on Twitter. It was a small audience. It might have been, I don't know, a few hundred subscribers or followers. But when I wrote that first blog post, I had an audience to distribute it to. And those audience members eventually became my first paying students. And a lot of them stuck with me for years and bought multiple courses. So that's what I did. I, I really got to know, I really joined the community and that's a really good path to follow. And I can certainly relate to that. I mean, the Education on Fire podcast came out of a, a passion and, and a desire to, to want to share creative and inspiring things that was going on in education, both in terms of what I was experiencing in terms of doing workshops as a, as a music, 
as a music teacher in schools, but also in terms of wanting to just change the dialogue and actually be part of the overall conversation as education is developing. And of course, online courses is definitely one of those things. And certainly in this current era that we find ourselves with so many people having to be homeschooled because of the current lockdown. But I think that there was there was a there was a certain change in thinking about this before that happened already. And I think that's a it's a key factor in terms of people thinking about getting to their audience. And you mentioned there Twitter was an important thing. That's definitely true in the education world as well um but is that engagement is it really just your personality coming through it's asking questions it's being involved in that dialogue and that's really how it builds up well you absolutely want to you want to be as authentic as possible uh for sure so so yes i injected a lot of uh, especially in the emails that i would write that was that was sort of the next step in the in the funnel if you want to call it that so getting someone to visit my site but then I wanted to have a list of like very like, like my close people, the people I could have a conversation with, and and that's how I treated my email marketing. And so, I eventually grew a twenty thousand person email list and would email them multiple times per week. But it was kind of like a, a letter from a friend. That's the that's the strategy that I used. And I learned that from people who had gone before me and had success with email marketing. And they said, "Hey, don't make it. Don't do this HTML template. Don't make it all corporate looking because that just screams I want to sell you something." Instead, picture how you would write a letter or an email to a friend and make it look like that. And, and those had a lot of my personality in them. I told a lot of stories, some, uh, some happy stories, sad stories, goofy stories, or a lot of those. And, uh, and that really built up a loyal tribe, a loyal following that led to the success of the, the courses. And so a lot of people listening will be thinking in terms of their subjects, in terms of what they've been teaching, in terms of their sort of education environment that they're in currently so let's assume that people have got limited idea of how that is you know they might have some resources that they've been building up over years um for lesson plans or 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 something like that how did you talk about a funnel there explain a little bit about what that is and and how you go from just maybe having a bank of resources or or a willingness to want to take some of your things online and um, take us through some of the processes that takes you from that to actually then having something to produce to, to, to support people with in the online world. Yeah, that's a, it's an important question. And this is a key thing. And it's a, a shift that probably a lot of your listeners will need to make because it's one I had to make because I come from a more academic background. So I thought, OK, well, let me think of a topic and, and teach that topic. But you want to do things a little bit differently when you're talking about selling online courses. Uh, because it's not it's similar, but it's not the same as going through through a traditional educational path through traditional schools. And so you want to think in terms of outcomes, not so much a topic, but what's an outcome that you can get someone. So I wouldn't come out and do, for example, if it's in my own niche, home brewing, I wouldn't do a, a home brewing 101 kind of course. A lot of people who move online start to go down that route and they start to sort of mimic the the course catalog from a university. Homebrewing 101, Homebrewing 201, Homebrewing 301. And that can work. And, it, you know, it worked. It was easier earlier on when there wasn't a whole lot of competition. But that's not really what people want. They want the result of that. So, uh, well, I'll give you an example of something that I did. It was how to design and brew your first signature recipe. So that was a bit more of an advanced course, but I gave them a clear outcome. I learned that my, my students, they really... They, yeah, they wanted to have good tasting beer, but what was more important to them was to have something that they could truly call their own. 
And they didn't like just brewing everyone else's recipes that they found online. They wanted to put their own twist on it. So the outcome was something very tangible. It was, hey, you're going to walk away from this course with your own recipe that you created and that you brewed and that people love. And yes, it tastes good too. And so for the people that you supported, um, I know there's sort of, there's language niches and, and English and and those sorts of things. I really, I really liked what you said about the mindset shift in terms of it's not just about doing this particular topic. It is much more about the outcomes. How do you get around that when the majority of people in the education world are worried about the end game, like getting the result for this particular exam or that particular exam? How, how does that sort of work in that particular scenario? Do you mean from the um, from the teacher's perspective or from the student's perspective? Yeah, from from the from the teacher's perspective, because often what people want is is kind of I want to be able to get an A in this subject, or I want to be able to cover these parts of the exam. And actually, I, while that is a goal and while it might be an objective, um, it seems to me that that sort of personal and the tangible thing you were talking about in the in the home brewing idea is slightly different than that. And I just wondered if there's a way of sort of making that work within the actual sort of teacher space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you want to do market research. That's the key thing. Uh, there's a phrase that I like that you want to find products or courses in this case for your customers, not customers for your product. So a lot of people start with the product and then try to find customers. What you want to do is identify who you're teaching, like who is your audience. So for me, it was home beer brewing enthusiasts. And then you want to speak to them and figure out what their pain point is. Like, what are they struggling with? Where are they? It doesn't need to be a huge thing, but it could just be a minor annoyance. You know, where are they frustrated? Where are they getting stuck? And what do they want? One of the things that I just mentioned that I uncovered was that they really wanted to create recipes they could call their own. And I, and I learned that by hopping on the phone with them. I talked to, to dozens of my email subscribers on the phone. I wasn't selling anything. I just said, hey, I'm trying to come up with some new content, some new ideas, some new courses. We would just love to ask you a handful of questions. And then you dig and they give you an answer and you say, well, well, why is that? Or why is that important to you? Or, or what'd you try in the past to solve that? And then they'll tell you exactly what you should create. And then all you do is you create it. And then when you offer it to them, you know that it's been validated and that, you know, you don't know for sure until you actually offer it, but you have a good feeling that people are going to buy it because you started with them and you asked them what they wanted. And that makes a lot of sense. So the people who've managed to create courses which are sort of lesson plan based, for example, is because they're not trying to give you a set of lesson plans. They're actually talking about we can give you more time. We, 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 can, we can save you maybe your Sunday night getting ready for the next week because we're able to give you the support and things that you need. Or I guess if you're, if you're creating something which is supporting parents um, – and that they're trying to find something to support their children if they're if they're learning it's that kind of we want to give you the extra support we want to give you a, a broader curriculum which is going to help you within this particular thing so I, I start to understand the fact that it is like you said that idea of being slightly broader but also by the same token actually having had those conversations and like I say that dialogue it gives you exactly what you're trying to you're trying to solve the problem that they've already got rather than doing it the other way around Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you can teach to a topic and sometimes, and this is tough for teachers, that you know that they need something, but that's not necessarily what they want to buy because some people, they, they want what they want and you really have to give them what they want, but sometimes you have to give them what they want and then give them what they need once they're inside the course. So if there's, 
for example, on a lot of topics, uh, customers find the foundational stuff just really boring. And, and it's not something that if you really highlighted that they would buy. There are those people that are more intrinsically motivated and just like like learning for the sake of learning. Um, I'm, I'm more one of those people, but mo I'm sort of an exception. Most people aren't like that. So you might have to lead with the, the attractive thing that they want, whatever that end, and usually it's tied to an end outcome, right? Moving away from pain and towards pleasure, but then include the, the fundamentals or sort of like the, the broccoli that I call it, the stuff that they need embedded within the bigger scope of what you're delivering. Yeah, so it really is sort of like I can imagine sort of having had all those conversations and your experience as the expert in your field, it's been able to sort of amalgamate all those things together to kind of to kind of fit fit it all all, all through. Let's talk a little bit about um, your school experience. I know sometimes people want to be able to sort of break away from school and actually have a, a sense of, oh, I didn't quite fit in. I didn't quite know what was going on. What, what was your experience? Did you find the system work for you or was it something you wanted to break away from? No, I actually love school. Uh, a lot of my peers, a lot of entrepreneurs tend to bash school, uh, especially higher education, you know, call it a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I loved college. I loved it so much. I stuck around and got my master's degree. So uh, I, but I always like going back to what I said earlier, I wasn't so much uh, doing it because I knew that it would lead to a, a great career. I always had this sense that I would do my own thing. And so I really just love learning and I loved all these different topics. You're probably seeing that theme come true with me. And so what I, what happened was I, um, I had this major, uh, I went to James Madison university. It's in Virginia and this major called integrated science and technology. And it was the only school in the country that had the major and it fit me perfectly because it was all these different disciplines, uh, rolled into one major. So manufacturing, biotechnology, alternative energy, and it worked out perfect because I went from that and it essentially trains you to be not a scientist or a researcher, but uh, essentially a, a business person with that technical background. So either up in management, you know, maybe a manager, a high level manager of a pharmaceutical company or, uh, or a consultant. My major produced a lot of consultants and that's exactly what I did. I became a consultant in the renewable energy industry. So doing exactly what the schooling prepared me for. And, uh, and then my company paid for me to go get my MBA. So I had that and that was great. And it really worked out perfectly. And uh, if I didn't have this entrepreneurial side to me, I'm sure I'd still be in that industry. And it is interesting, isn't it? And there, there'll be lots of teachers listening, I think, who will have that sense of, you know, teaching's a vocation, it's a passion, it's something you do because you know there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's a bigger goal to fill, you know, that, that there's an urgency there to sort of help the next generation. Um, but those people who want to create their own courses, those people who want to give some of the resources that they have, I think it, it's that entrepreneurial spirit of them wanting to go in alone, whether it's wanting to get out of the system or actually if it's just a question of wanting to do it differently. And sometimes that can just be a life experience in terms of having a young family or deciding that actually just the lifestyle of being in school for the amount of hours that you need to is no longer working for you in wh whichever way that happens to be. So tell me a little bit about how you think online learning is 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 going to be developed go, going forward because i quite liked as, as you were sort of saying when you were talking about your home brewing thing in terms of if you go along you sort of sweep the floors you clean up you, you you do all the stuff which you sort of learn in that sort of traditional sort of apprenticeship kind of idea and of course the online space is very different than that 
but of course i guess it's very focused so so how, how do you sort of see the two in in relation to each other and also how the online world is going to sort of then take that going forward yeah so it's uh it's really exploding right now i mean it always, it had been over the past few years online learning online education but just given the recent events with coronavirus and everything uh, the course enrollment rates and consumption rates are just through the roof. I, um, I know a CEO of one of these major course development platforms and they can see all the stats and they were setting records, this is just a week or two ago, every single day in terms of traffic to their courses, their, uh, their, their, their customers' courses, their customers build courses on their software. Uh, so it's, um, it's exploding right now and it's a, it's a great place to be. At the same time, it's not easy. It's not easy to launch an online course and make money from it. Um, and it bugs me that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of gurus, you know, and these sort of like slimy people telling you it's kind of become the next make money, uh, get rich quick thing. And and you might have seen some of that out there. It's not everywhere, but there, it's definitely there where, hey, you can launch an online course and, and make all this revenue and make it while you sleep. And, uh, and that's just not the case. It's, it's like anything, any, any business, and it is a business. It's, it's a lot of work. So you have to really like what you do. But if you, if you like teaching and you have that entrepreneurial spirit and, and you're okay doing things over the internet, like you're okay if you don't know, but you can learn how to run a website and send emails and use social media and all those things, because you're going to have to know those things then it can be a great business. I mean, my clients, I mean, we have some clients doing seven figures a year, you know, like legit businesses teaching online courses. So it, um, it, it can certainly be a very rewarding business. And can you just take us through some of those, some of those online resources that people would need to be familiar with? You know, for some people, the thought of actually, I've need to build my own website. I need an email marketing service. I I need all all manner of things. Just take us through a few of those steps in terms of how people can start to do that on their own, and maybe take away some of the fear of of what that is. You know, because we certainly know, sort of from um, sort of WordPress sites and things like that, it's not a question of needing to know lots of coding. You can sort of drag and drop and and all these sorts of things now. So just sort of give people a little bit of an idea of of the the first easier steps uh, in terms of, of, of two or three of those sort of key things they'll need to build up yeah so yeah i'm hoping i can save people a lot of time and, and effort and money here because a lot of people will decide they want to do an online course and then they, they sign up for the online course software maybe some other software and then they go spend eight months in their basement recording the course and they spend a bunch of money on video productions and editing and all that and that's really not the way you want to do it. Uh, you want to, going back to how I started, that's the path I recommend. So you want to start with your audience. So the very first thing I would do if you want to get into this is pick, uh, pick a publishing platform where your audience hangs out. So it might be Twitter, it might be Reddit, it might be Facebook, it might be YouTube. And start putting out content, um, putting out free content, just talking about your topic is the best way to uh, attract an audience. And then those will be eventually the people who join your course. So that's what I would say from a lot of people. I think there's some fear around that too. And I totally get that about putting yourself out there, but I say lean into it. So start hitting publish in a, in a place where your market hangs out, wherever that may be. And there's endless options now with social media. And then you still don't need to go record this, uh, this highly polished course. So at, at the end of the day, the tools, you, the essential tools you really need are 
you want an email list because that is the best way to uh, even still in 2020 it's the best way to communicate with your your prospects so you go out and you maybe you're on Twitter and uh, kind of like I was building up an audience and then get them onto your email list and you can offer them something free to do that maybe a cheat sheet or a free guide or something and then after that to launch your course you really don't even need a whole they call it an LMS uh, learning management solution or, or software a lot of our course creators are really just delivering these courses just at least the beta versions of them the early versions of them over zoom so what you can do is you have your email list and then you just need a way to collect payment and that's not too difficult you can um, the simplest way to do that is to use PayPal so you can sign up for PayPal and you can include a link in the email to check out with PayPal and then you can deliver the course over zoom uh, or if you're not comfortable doing that if you do want to pre-record stuff uh, then you could still just upload it to maybe Google Drive or Dropbox. And yes, yeah, not the, the highly polished online course experience, but I just want to get the point across that your, your early students, especially the early ones, really don't care as much about that as you think they do. And they're very tolerant of a, of a less than very polished experience, especially in the early days. And if you take this approach, you get you get it out there faster. You get the offer out the your course out there faster, and you get feedback and validation, which is the most important thing. So I like to remove all barriers to getting to that point. And then you know once you run your initial course and you get some feedback on it, then you can start to invest in these uh, these platforms. And for that, I'll give you some examples. Teachable is a very good one, so you can build your whole online school on Teachable. Uh, Thinkific is another one. And then there's some ones that tie into WordPress. Uh, Learn Dash is one of those. That really just takes the mystique away. And 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 the thing I really love about it is the fact that I, for myself anyway, I can kind of see the arc of how you might do that. You you, you start with something you know, something you're passionate about. You start having these conversations online, like you say, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or, or wherever the people are that you know are hanging out. You get some feedback, you get some ideas, you start to hear the sort of problems that people uh, are telling you and you think, oh, I can solve those by this or that or, or some of the things that you, you've already got going on in your life. And then effectively all you're doing is you're bringing them into your classroom. And I guess that people will really be able to relate to that, certainly in the current climate, in terms of Zoom, you know, in terms of just bringing people in and rather than having to go to a particular physical classroom, they can just do it online and then you can deliver what you need to deliver. It just takes a, a little bit of kind of understanding of the tech in terms of being able to be online and do it and actually be able to share some screens and that kind of thing. And like I say, if you've got a payment processor there, then you're done. And I think that really feels a lot less worrisome than, like you say, thinking, right, I now need a whole entire platform. I need to record videos. I need to record audio. I need to spend thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars before I even start doing anything. And, and I think that suddenly feels like something that I could do no matter who I was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm so adamant about this because I, I have people who come to me after spending those eight months building their course just to come out of their, their basement and then no one wants to buy it or they don't have an audience to sell it to. So that's why I say start with the audience and then just build a, what we call an MVP and a minimum viable product. And you're right, you don't need all the fancy software. Heck, you can run the whole course out of a Facebook group. You can upload videos to a Facebook group, you can make it private and you can put text in there too. So there you go. 
yeah and I, I think that's a really that's a really great thing to be able to to be able to to be able to really understand and and get that across what advice would you give your younger self now looking back both in terms of i guess in terms of where you are from now delivering these online courses and trainings as opposed to being in the corporate kind of world but also in terms of maybe thinking back into your school days as well the sort of thing that you think that the experience you have now would actually really have have guided you or at least made your life slightly easier or given you a bit of a guiding light as to where you wanted to head Mm, yeah i like that question so I would have loved to learn more real life skills, uh, especially related to doing what I do now, which is being an entrepreneur or solopreneur, you could call it self-employed is probably the best way to put it because it's not easy. You know, it takes a lot of, a lot of discipline and I've learned the importance of having healthy habits of being able to time block and have a morning routine and, uh, and an evening routine and how to be productive, and how to prioritize tasks, how to delegate tasks. That, if I could take that class, if that class was available in high school or college or whatever it was, I wish I could have taken that, or at least given myself that advice to, to study those things on my own and, and start to develop those habits earlier on, because they are really, really important. Well, I have to say that's real music to my ears because that's the whole reason that we're starting to develop our um, support community is exactly the, the, those ideas. The fact there are so many things which which people like yourself are able to support and to give and, and things that we sort of learnt further down the track that I think certainly sort of teenagers and, and people starting to go into their college world just if you just knew about them if you just heard the sorts of people that you sort of admire talking about these sorts of things and they come up again and again like say the morning routines the idea to be able to delegate the ideas of being able to be part of a team and a community and part of a community is is such a valuable thing and and um, I, I love it when people start talking about that as well because it really makes me think that it's definitely something as we start to explore this more and more that's going to be so valuable for people yeah yeah absolutely yeah, it's one of those things. You're you're really the product of your habits at the end of the day. So they're a smart thing to focus on. Fantastic. Well, Billy, for those people who I think will have had the bug, will suddenly start to be able to see this journey they could go on if, if they want to take their life online, even if it's only as part of what they do. They do you don't need to sort of, like say, throw the, the fish out of the bathwater and all that kind of thing, do you? you? You do actually can just sort of gradually transition into these things. Where can they find out more about you and what sort of things can you offer for them? Sure. Yeah, I got a bunch of great resources on my website, so that's the the best way to find me and connect. BillyBross.com, B-I-L-L-Y-B-R-O-S-S.com. Uh, I would get on my email lists, and uh, uh, morning I send a lot of emails, multiple emails per week. But I uh, get really good feedback from my subscribers, and they're very quick to read. There's a lot of uh, stories I tell, and a lot of behind the scenes of what's working in the online course world. So it's a good way to. I get a peek behind the curtain about what I'm doing and my clients and all the online schools I'm working with are doing. Uh, and then there's also some uh, free trainings on there that you'll find as well. Brilliant. Well, Billy, thanks so much for sharing that with us. And, and I think if people just want to basically just sort of tip their toe into the water, if you want to get an idea of how these things, but also know that you can be guided through right into actually creating a very successful business, then you've got all the advice and, and, and the skills and, and the ability to be able to share that with everybody. And I really appreciate you taking the time today and sharing all that with us here on the podcast. Yeah, happy to share it. And thanks for having me again, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.
education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. <laughs>